let out a big sigh and a tear came out, ran down her cheek and I looked back at the doctor and I said, is she gone? And they said, she's gone. This is Clem Snide and you are listening to A Life in Song. This one, uh, this one's almost like a prayer to me. We pray in, uh, in the hopes that we don't suffer in vain. So come, gather around the fire, because uh, as we like to say, everybody has a story to tell, and certainly everyone deserves a song. Well, this one's for our friend Steve. I met Molly when I was 40 years old. She was 25, and she just had this light about her. So I, I had just gotten divorced and uh, was really kind of depressed and keeping to myself. This little, this bright light just wouldn't, wouldn't take no for an answer, and she kept asking me to go do things, and, and I was isolating, and, and I deal with depression. I guess I kind of have for quite some time. And finally, one, one day she said, you know, if you come out and do karaoke with us, I'll win 50 bucks because nobody thinks I can get you to come out and do karaoke. She just had a spirit and a light about her. She was everybody's best friend. She was the kind of girl you just wanted to talk to her and you wanted to tell her things. So uh, since I had been married once before, I was very hesitant to to get married again. And I was really career-oriented, and and uh, that's all I thought about. I worked long hours, you know, sometimes 17 days straight, a lot of traveling. And, and she was young, and so we dated. We dated for 10 years. And my dad was dying of lung cancer at the time up in Ohio, and I went up and visited him. And the last words he said to me when I walked out of his, his hospital room, and I knew it was the last time I was going to see him, he said, Steve, why don't you marry Molly? And I was like, ah, oh, Dad, I got the T-shirt, been there once before. And he was like, no, really. And I just whipped my car into the Target parking lot and I said, baby, I don't have a ring, but I'm tired of doing this long distance stuff. I love you. Will you marry me? And we both started crying and we went in and I got my hair cut and all the girls in the shop were crying and, and uh, I didn't have my cell phone with me and I went home and there was a message from my mom and it said, your father passed away a half hour ago. And, uh, and so then we got married on the beach and, uh, that, that next July and, and, uh, it was just, it was the best day of my life. We got so close together, you know, that first year of marriage was just learning really a, about how to argue, how to disagree, how to, and how to compromise and, and, you know, just, and it was just beautiful. Like we, we just, our house was the party house to the TV station and she just 
was everybody just fell in love with her down there, and it was the exact same way as it was in Nashville. She was just a leader and everybody's best friend. And and um, uh, then fast forward to 2014, she uh, just started having symptoms. And uh, we went in on the day before her 39th birthday, and the doctor walked in and she said, I have bad news. You have a rare and aggressive form of cervical cancer. And she went, shit. We uh, went in and moved in with her mom and dad for three months and did... Uh, Chemo and radiation, uh, radiation every day, Monday through Friday, and chemo on Tuesdays for three and a half months. Went back to Florida. She went back to work. First major checkup. Uh, they said, your cancer's come back in a very aggressive way that you need to have what's called a pelvic exenteration, which is taking out 40% of your organs. We have to take out anything we think the cancer might have touched. And uh, so we moved, we moved up here for good then. And uh, she had that done on April 2nd. And uh, she was in the hospital for 150 days. It was tough. She was on uh, fentanyl patches, oxycodone every three hours, Xanax, Paxil, gabapentin. And it's really a hard thing to juggle all those things. And You know, the, the, the thing that I remember most, though, was the cancer. They took out 40% of her organs, but the cancer couldn't touch her heart and, her, and the bright light that she always that she always had on for everybody and, and man I, I think I might have got more depressed than she did she never got any good news she never there were never any victories after the 12 hour surgeries and all the procedures but she never quit The doctor told me the time was close, and I was standing on the right side of her bed, holding her left hand, and just talking to her, and she took a big breath. She let out a big sigh, and a tear came out of her eye on my side and ran down her cheek, and I looked back at the doctor, and I said, is she gone? And they said, she's gone. And after I walked out there, Molly's doctor came up to me and she said, uh, you did a great job, Steve. You need to go see somebody because you've been through a lot and you have PTSD. And uh, it's going to be hard. And the other nurse came up and the head nurse gave me a big hug. And, and she said that we have one beautiful Beth every year, Mr. Wrigley. And Molly's was hit this year. And I said, well, I believe it. So I went back to work, and and uh, after about two or three months, I worked on the assignment desk for Channel 5, and that's the person that sends all the people to the fires and the murders and the 
and the shootings. And, and one day I just got up and walked in my boss's office and I said, Sandy, I can't do this anymore. And she said, I don't blame you, Steve. You've been through a lot. What are you going to do? And off the top of my head, I said, I'm going to move to Lake Tahoe and I'm going to hand out skis. If I'm happy when the snow melts, I'll stay. And if I'm not, I'll move on. So I drove out to Lake Tahoe on July 4th and and uh, I didn't do anything for the first couple months. And then I got invited to a Friendsgiving at my neighbor's. And I was walking up the back steps. And a guy named Connor Tumarkine was cooking bacon-wrapped asparagus on the grill. And it was snowing. And it was just beautiful. And didn't even make it in the house. And he says, my, my name's Connor. What's yours? And I said, Steve. And he goes, what are you doing? What do you do out here, Steve? And I said, nothing. And without missing a beat, he said, I know what you're going to do. You're going to work for my friend Josh Allen. He runs the ski shop at Squaw Valley. So, long story longer, I started working at the ski shop, employee of the month for March 2019, thank you, and I, and I, and I hung out with some of the funnest people chasing life, and just lived for the moment, and I skied every day, and, and uh, we drank beer over at the Chamois after our shift was done at 5 o'clock, and I met some of the best people I've ever met in my life that will be friends for forever, and the snow melted, and I was happy, and and uh, I'm getting better every day, but boy, I still, I still have a broken heart. And one of the crazy things, like you just, you spend a lot of time alone just thinking. And you know that there's only one letter in the difference between lovely and lonely. Because when I think of Molly, she was the most lovely, physically lovely person, but spiritually lovely person I'd ever known. I could never say no to her. Anything she wanted, I gave it to her. Even, even if I even if I shouldn't and even if I really couldn't. But that's how much I loved her. And, and she had some amazing stories too. Like one night she was at, uh, at uh, she used to work at Bruce Chris and she was there and, and uh, James Gandolfini started hitting on her and they had drinks with her. And then he asked her to go up to her room, to his room, and she said, I got a boyfriend. And he, I have an autographed uh, Bruce Chris napkin from James Gandolfini and it says, Steve, keep your hands off her. She's mine. Love, James. But uh, I'm I'm so excited about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, and I'm I'm determined. And it, and it was it was all for Molly when I was trying to get there. But I've come to realize that that I need to do it for me. I've always wanted to do stand up comedy, and and I I went the the Monday after the tornado. I was laying in bed reading a book to my, with my dog, Julio, and I was like, tonight's the night, and I just got up, and I went down to the comedy club, and I got up there, and I did four minutes, and I came back, and these two young hipsters go, nice set, man, and gave me a fist bump, and I was like, I got a set. Oh, my Lord.
This episode of A Life in Song was made by me, Eve Barzillet, here in Nashville, Tennessee. A great big thanks to Steve, my wife Alex, Drew, Peter, Ed, Sierra, and all the good folks who helped make it possible. If you would uh, like one made about you, then please do visit us at alifeinsong.com. And be well. A Life in Song is produced by Drew Frankel and Peter Hemberger, with help from Ed Gerard, Sierra Flack, Alex Barzillay, George Gilbert, and our partners at Double Elvis Productions.